Tune Up, your Wednesday night Bible study. Each week we gather together to tune in to the Word of God, learning and growing as we study how to apply God's Word in our everyday lives. Join us at 7.30 for this powerful Bible study experience. And now, let's get ready for Tune Up. Welcome to The Tune-Up, a new interactive Bible study hosted by Global Outreach Church. I'm Lynette Jackson, and I wanted to just come on for a few moments just to share some information about this new Bible study. It is an interactive Bible study, so you can ask questions of our speakers. So all you have to do is just put your comments or ask a question in the comment section on Facebook and our speaker will be acknowledging those and reading those and answering your questions at the end of the Bible study. The second thing is this QR code at the top of the screen there. If you scan that QR code, you'll be able to give an offering at the end of service. You'll be able to donate to our food pantry. You'll be able to go to our website. You'll be able to leave a prayer request because that is super important. And you'll also be able to view our previous messages. I'm so excited that we're starting this new Bible study format uh, this year in 2023, uh, hosted by Global Outreach Church. Well, I'm Lynette Jackson, and if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get ready for a tune-up. Hallelujah. It's another day to thank Him and bless His name. He's worthy of our praise. Wherever you are, just exalt Him and praise Him and honor Him and thank Him for taking you through the, the day. Bless you, Father. We thank you for another time in your presence. This is the end, I pray. You are the end, I pray. Your holy presence living in me. You are my deliverance. You are my
Wow, glory to God, worthy is the Lamb. Glory to God Almighty. Thank you so much, Brother Diola, for that. And again, tonight, I want to welcome everyone to the tune-up, where I'm believing that God will refresh you, God will refire you, and God will have you on your way in the name of Jesus, prepared adequately for the journey ahead. And so again, welcome tonight to this tune-up. And uh, I want to thank you for joining and for spending your evening with us. And so if you just let your friends and family know that we are on and get ready with your Bible questions and perhaps your comments towards the end of this program so we can address them all, okay? God bless you again. And so tonight, I want to continue our study from the book of Nehemiah, The Christian Lives Warfare. The Christian life's warfare, and tonight, this installment tonight, I'm going to be speaking on Geshem and the worldly compromise. I know you're funny. What in the world is Geshem? What is that language? Is it that Latin, Greek, Hebrew? Is that Turkish? What is that? Well, I'm going to tell you in a minute. Just hold on for a minute. Okay, so let's just go to the passage, and then we're going to dive into the message itself. So tonight I'm going to be reading from Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the world and that there were no bricks left in it. Though at that time, and at, at that time, I had not hung the doors in the gates. That Sambalat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. 
Then Sambalat sent his servant to me as before, this the fifth time, with an open letter in his hand, and it was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now, these matters will be reported to the king. So, come therefore, and let us consult together. Then I sent to him, saying, no such things, as you say, are being done, but you invent them in your own heart, for all, for they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work, and it will not be done. Now, therefore, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Okay. Geshem on the worldly compromise. Geshem, if you remember, the very first installment in these studies represents the flesh. The flesh. Okay? The flesh describes anything that you and I do that does not emanate from God, that does not originate from God. That does not come from God. Something that you and I think of, dream of, and engage of totally apart from God. Amen. So tonight we want to deal with the flesh and worldly compromise. So from the very beginning, we saw in Nehemiah chapter 2, they began to build the walls. And then we saw in chapters 34 and 5 how Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem had, at different times, tried to intimidate, to ridicule, to mock, and to make sure that they hindered the work of God that was going on with the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Remember what the walls stand for. The walls stand not for our salvation, but not only that, it stands for the protection that we have in God against the onslaught, onslaught of the enemy. Okay? So every time they came, Nehemiah was able to stand up to them. And last week, we saw how he did so through the armor of God. But now, you must give some credit to the devil or to the enemy. What is that? It doesn't stop. We are told, with regards to Jesus, he was led of the, uh, to be tempted of the, of the devil in the wilderness. And we are told that after the temptation had ended, the devil left him but for a season. So it's not like he's going to live in forever. Oh, I won't come back again. That's it. No, no, a season. Why? To look for a better opportunity or to regroup or to get a new strategy. In other words, what's going to work? Because his it's goal, his only goal is to hinder the child of God because he hates God. And we represent God. So he's going to do everything he can to make sure he tries to stop us. Okay, so now, in chapter 6, in the very first verse, we are being told that the walls were now completed, except that the gates had not been put in place. So the enemy said, oh, my goodness, these guys have worked so hard. They've made a lot of progress. If they should put these gates in place, that will make it much harder to attack them. So... The enemy escalated 
its strategy to try to impede the progress of the people of God. Okay? So the picture we have here is of a mature believer in Christ who has learned to stand strong in the Lord. Remember? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So the picture we have right now in this progress that they've made in the rebuilding of these walls is that of a mature believer who's learned how to use the armor of God, who's learned how to get dressed for battle. Okay? So now, what could penetrate such strong walls? What attack could the enemy now employ? Since he realizes you are stronger, you have put on your the armor of God, you are much more wiser than when you first began, so he has to think of something new. Now, Jesus gave us the answer in Matthew chapter 13. I'm not going to read the verses. I'm not going to read, read the scriptures. Matthew chapter 13, you can read this in verses 1 through 23. He gave us a parable of a sower who went to sow the seed. Okay? And he said the seed fell on four different grounds. In fact, right now, let me just put on the chart so you can see it. The seed fell on four different soil types. There you go. The first one, we're told, fell by the roadside and the birds of the air came, ate all the seeds, which means that the enemy snatched the word out of the mind. So, okay, okay, let me break it down. Let me, let me go back. So, this first source actually represents believers. It represents our mind. It rep represents our ability to receive the word of God and, to, uh, and for the word of God to be able to grow in and through us. So the first one, the first soil type that, they, that Jesus describes in the life of a believer is the roadside. What's, what's, what's characteristic of roadside? It's hard and hardly can anything penetrate. Okay? So what he's saying here is, once that seed is sown, you hear the seed, you hear the word of God, the seed represents the word of God. You hear the word of God, and the birds of the air, principalities, they come and immediately snatch the word. Have you ever seen people that are in church services with you? You went through a fantastic service. You feel so blessed. You are edified. You are happy. You have you received a lot. God is really strengthening you through the service. And you talk to the next person, they didn't get anything out of it. Nothing. Now, sometimes it could be as a result of the fact that their mind is still, is still ground that's not been broken up. Okay? So the seed did not get a chance to penetrate. The birds of the air come in and take it away. And there's no growth at all. As you see on the chart that we have here, no growth because there's no wall. There's nothing to protect the word that you just received. So Sambalat, which represents Satan, comes into your mind and steals that word away and the word is no good. Why? Because the soil is not prepared to receive the word of God. The second soil type that Jesus describes is the rocky places. Is the rocky places. Again, remember this, all these soil types describes the mind of a believer. Okay? A believer whose mind is like a rocky place when the seed of the word is sown, the description Jesus gave us is that the sun, the scorching sun, burns that seed. And consequently, the seed may grow quickly at first, 
but because of the scorching sun, which represents persecution. The, the seed, the growth of the seed is stunted, and therefore, there's no real progress made. Again, this is the work of Satan. Amen? The third sword type it describes, again, the mind of a believer, it uses the thorns, the seed that was sown among thorns. When the seed is sown among thorns, Jesus now explains that, that the, the, the seed is choked. The thorns choke the seed, so the seed is not able to really, really, really mature. Okay? It grows. It grows, but it's growing in a mixed soil, and ultimately, even though it grows a little bit, it can no longer, it cannot really go to full time. Okay? So all of this represents or corresponds with the various stages of the walls of Nehemiah, uh, that, that Nehemiah is building. So the, the road, the road type of soil describes when Jerusalem was with no wall. The rocky places describes when Jerusalem was half height, when the walls were constructed half side, half height rather. Now the thorns, you see, they made progress. The walls were complete with no gates. Now, this is very important. This is where we're going to camp tonight for a minute. But let me just go back to number four soil, and then we're going to you know, come back to this. Number four soil describes, the again, the mindset of a believer, a mind that is good soil. Receives the word. The word is watered. It's received. And over a period of time, the word grows. And the wall, the corresponding wall in Nehemiah is completed and safe from the enemies. Okay, now let's go on. I can remove the chart now and move, and move forward. Now, this, this is this is the point of this whole teaching. Geshem and world compromise. Okay. Um, a few weeks ago, I received a report about China and the underground churches. Now, for years, the underground church of China have been persecuted mentally and physically. But the church has been growing in huge numbers, even in the midst of the persecution. Almost like what happened to the Jewish people in Egypt. The more Pharaoh persecuted them, the more they grew. The more Pharaoh persecuted them, the more they grew. Now, just recently, we are beginning to see a new trend in China. <laughs> because China is now open to the West. The new enemy of China is no longer persecution. Now, that's still taking place. I'm not saying persecution has stopped. No, it has not stopped. Okay? But the persecution that the enemy brought against them only strengthened them and caused them to grow. But they are now having to contend with a new enemy that they've not contended with before. The new enemy, as a result of their relationship with the West, their exposure to the West, is worldliness. Something the Chinese have not faced before. Man, I can tell you. I mean, we go to Southeast Asia, in Bangkok Airport, 
I see this group of people, these Chinese people traveling. Uh, I'm telling you, every one of them is carrying designer bags, designer suitcases. I mean, they are, listen, they, they, they got it, okay? And so what we see here is an infiltration into the mindset and into the church in China because of worldliness or deceitfulness of riches. And the report is that many, many, many are finding this deceitfulness of riches or worldliness harder to cope with than the persecution and the church elders in China have no answer. They don't know what to do because they've never seen this before. <clears throat> now, let me, let me tell you something else. Now, this happened to me years ago at the beginning when I was going to start, when I was going to leave my, my job to come into what I call full-focused ministry. Uh, I remember, okay, let me back up. Before I, before I even started thinking of ministry, as a young person, uh, before I got born again, I was very zealous, very aggressive. Uh, I'm in the United States. Uh, I want the, uh, what do you call it, the... Um, uh, the American dream, uh, all the niceties of life. I mean, that's the focus, you know, just just make money, make money, make, make money, make money, make it any way you can, just make it. Then I get born again. Well, when I got born again, that mindset didn't leave me right away. So I still began to pursue all those things to make sure my needs are met, I have everything I need and be able to live well until God began to nudge my heart towards ministry. Wow. So the battle was on for a minute. And then I remember this one day, just as I saw, just before I surrendered and said, God, I will do it. I remember one day I was on my way driving on I on 285 to the airport. A pastor friend of mine was in Atlanta, staying at the Sheraton Gateway Hotel. I remember it so vividly. I got on 25 right over the overpass bridge by Riverdale Road. And I'm asking God this question. I say, God, if I answer this call, would you guarantee me that I'll still be able to live as I've always lived? Would you guarantee me a good life? Would you guarantee me the success, all the niceties of life, all the things I've pursued all my life up to this moment. Would you continue to guarantee that I'll have those things? <laughs> now, maybe some of you have maybe some of you have heard me share this before. I don't know, but this is this is so this is so true. I will never forget the answer I got. As soon as I said that, this is what God said back to me. Better. Is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble therewith. Now, mind you, I had no idea whether this was a scripture, and if it was, where was it? I did not know. I just heard this voice in my spirit. I was alone in a car, okay? I just heard this voice in my spirit say to me, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Wow! When I heard that, that settled it for me. In other words, God was saying to me, listen, don't let your focus be in what the world can give you or the niceties of life. 
Don't let that be your focus. Just focus on your reverence of who God is. Let God be your focus. And leave the rest to me. I was so humbled, gentled, quiet, and I said, okay, God, I surrender. Okay? So that's my story. Now, I'm telling you that so you understand that it's not like God is saying, live in poverty, take a vow of poverty, you'll never have any good thing. That I, No, that's not what God is saying. What God is saying is we should never be in that position where we allow the things of life to have us. You can have things, but you don't want things to have you. And that's where many of us are. Many of us are in pursuit. In fact, may I even say reckless pursuit of worldly goods until we totally use the world measurement as our point of reference, not God. Amen? I can tell you, I found contentment in just trusting God. Now, does that mean uh, you not have niceness? No, that's not what it means. But what I'm saying is, like Paul said, I've learned, I've learned to be abound and abased. Many people go with me on some of these ministry trips abroad today. And uh, from time to time, we may get into a very nice hotel. And uh, some of them are, whoa, wow, why are you, why are you staying in? Marriott Hotel, why are you staying at the Hilton? Blah, blah, blah. But see, they don't know. They don't, they don't know where we started. They don't, they don't know the price that's been paid to make it possible to stay at the Hilton now. I remember one of these trips uh, in, to Cote d'Ivoire. I'll never forget this. Myself and Jamar Baker, who came through this ministry and now is pastoring a very thriving church in East Point, Georgia. We slept on the floor, on a mat, or on the floor, in a room in Abidjan. Now, when we're doing that, they had nice hotels, Meridian. Nice hotels were in Abidjan. But at that time in my life and in ministry, that's not what God wanted me to have. On the floor. In a room where we have to get outside in the dark to go use the toilet. And when we went to the toilet at night, we had to pass the graveyard. I remember that. I did it. With joy. With joy. With joy. I remember... Sao Paulo in Brazil. <laughs> Praise God. We slept on bunk beds. Yeah. We slept on bunk beds. In fact, I was on the bottom. Uh, someone was on top of me in, on the bunk bed. And uh, excuse me for being graphic. And the restroom in Sao Paulo at that time, you cannot flush it down the toilet. That's how bad it was. Amen. Oh, don't, don't let me talk, tell you about Moscow where we have to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning to get a hot shower, because otherwise, there's no shower. So, so many things. So, I'm saying this to help you understand that you, you don't place riches or worldliness ahead of serving God. Embrace God where you are. Give Him your full heart and let God open those doors and avenues to bless you and to bring things your way when that time comes. Yeah. I've not had to do that in a while. But if I ever had to do that again, I'll do it again with joy. Amen. So, for Nehemiah, back to Nehemiah chapter 6. For Nehemiah, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, they saw that they had finished building the walls, but the gates were not, were not there yet. 
And so what did they do? Say, man, let's 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 distract him. Let's distract this guy. What we're we gonna do? Let's invite him to come and and rest and conference and fellowship with us at the plane of Ono. Distraction. Many of us are not able to fulfill our life mission because we are distracted. Some of us are distracted because of what I just mentioned on the deceitfulness of riches or worldliness. Ah, I've got to take this vacation. I've got to go do this. I've got to do that. I've got to... Things that has no eternal consequence. Uh, Pastor Larry, the executive pastor of Go Church, uh, said something, a uh, staff meeting a couple of weeks ago that's still ringing in my head till this minute. And basically said, we need to be able to distinguish between our preferences and priorities. Preferences and priorities. So many of us have misplaced our priorities for pre preferences. Oh, I prefer to go and do this. I prefer to go and do that because it refreshes me, makes me feel good. I enjoy it. I have a thrill. I have to get a kick out of it. Uh, my preferences go to a nice upscale restaurant and, man, chow down some good lamb chops and stuff like that. On and on and on and on it goes. But what's your priority? Because if you spend your life doing the preference and omit the priority, you will never finish your mission. So for Nehemiah, is doing a great work, and that's that was his reply. These guys came to him five times trying to distract him, and he said to them, No, I'm doing a great work, I'm not going to leave what I'm doing. In other words, I'm not going to leave my priority at the expense of the preference. They offered him a nice vacation, a nice distraction, just to take his eyes off of the ball so that I can make sure they impede his progress. You need to be careful. Always live for the priority and not the preference. And the preference will take care of itself at the right time. Always. Let's move on. So when Nehemiah shut them down, said, nope, I'm not going to buy that. I'm not buying the bait. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not stopping my work. I'm doing a great work. Yeah. And when you're living for God, that's what you're doing. You're doing a great work. Did the enemy just quit? No. No. Let's read, let's read verse 5. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 5. Let me just go back to the scripture. Then Sambala sent his servant to me as before, the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. So, what did the enemy resort to do now? Since he didn't buy the bait of distraction, the enemy said, okay, I know what I'm going to do. He has an open letter where he accused him. He brought false allegation against this man. Amen? False report. Basically, if distraction can't get you, how about a false report? How do you respond to a false report? <laughs> Stephen is the first one we see in the scriptures. In Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. We're not going to read it. But we see Stephen in the scriptures who was martyred, convicted, and killed because of his false report. Paul and, his, and the other apostles were also slandered in this way. The Lord Jesus was tried and crucified on the evidence of false reports. 
we read concerning Jesus in Matthew chapter 26, verses 59 and 60. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward. Now, you need to understand this. The enemy will do everything and anything. He will throw everything but the kitchen table at you to stop you. He could not get Nehemiah with distraction. So what does he do? Cooks up a false report. Slander! You walk into your office, people are whispering about you. You walk to the office, they've cooked up some kind of allegation against you just to see how you're going to be act or respond. You must understand this things for what it is. And you must understand that the purpose of this is to distract you, to cause you to stop the great work that God is doing through you. False reports. Did he stop Jesus? No. Did he stop Paul? No. And it will not stop you in Jesus' name. Because now you are the much wiser. You understand that this is a ploy of the enemy. Lastly, lastly, Distraction didn't work. The forced, the allegations of forced report did not work. And then the enemy says, you know what? We're going to use fear. We're going to use fear. We see this in, in, in again in verses 5 through 9. Even a brief overview of the Bible shows some big names that have fallen or been influenced by the fear of man. By the fear of man. Oh, if your boss hears this. Oh, if your husband hears this. Oh, if your wife hears this. Oh, if your pastor hears this. If your friend hears this. The fear of man. It was this fear that caused Abraham, the father of faith, to twice say that Sarah was his sister before Pharaoh and King Abimelech. Yeah. It was this fear of man that caused Aaron to bow to the people's opinions and make a golden calf. It was fear that caused two-thirds of Gideon's army to live and go back home and never fulfilling their destiny. It was fear, this is amazing, that forced Elijah to run and hide in a cave from Jezebel. The fear of man caused Nicodemus to come to Jesus by night. Ah, the fear of man caused Pilate to condemn Jesus. And the fear of man caused Peter the apostle to not eat with the Gentiles when the Jews were not. Who are you afraid of tonight? Who are you, uh, for, for what reason are you afraid of him or her or the situation? Who? What, what is the idol of fear? That you are dealing with right now that god needs to help you with because the bible says that perfect love casts out all fear forget what the outcome is going to be just make a commitment to say you know god i trust you i know you i'm going to stand upon the integrity of your word and whatever happens let it be let it be uh there's some stories i don't want to get into right now uh but i i i have a greater appreciation for what i'm saying now 
after some after being with some uh, friends of mine over this last weekend unbelievable the things that some of some of us in this generation the stand and position we have to take because of the integrity of the word of god so that the word of god can will not be gainsaid and so the challenge for me and you is don't take the bait of distraction keep your hands to the plow do not look back so you can continue to fulfill the kingdom of god do not allow false allegations and slander that's been thrown at you to cause you or deter you from finishing what God began in you. And lastly, the only one to whom we should, the only one or the only person that we should fear is God himself, not any other man. Amen. And so I just want to pray for us on those points tonight. I, I, I feel I need to pray about this tonight. Uh, we, we are, and I hope you're going to be ready to bring your questions or maybe your comments or whatever, but let's just take a minute to pray. And Father God, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for this privilege and this example you've given us in your scriptures. You said that the things that were written at four times were written for our benefit upon whom the ends of the world has come. I said, Lord, we thank you for the example you've given us in Nehemiah, that it did not buy the bait of distraction. It did not allow the fear of man to cause him to abort what he was doing. And he did not allow the first allegations to get next to him. Rather, he looked unto you, the author and influential of his word. And so, Lord, I pray for all of those that listen to me tonight. I come against every attack of the enemy that will sell them a false bill of goods. In the name of Jesus, I come against every distraction and every manipulation of the devil that want to take them to cause them to take the eyes off of the mark of God. I thank you, Lord God. I've come against the fear of man. You said that perfect love casts out all fear. And so, Lord God, in Jesus' name, I pray for deliverance from any and every kind of fear for all of your people tonight. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that it will be focused solely on the finished work of Christ, that which you've done and wrought for, and for them and for their victory. Thank you, Father God. We honor you, we bless you, we praise your name, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I want you to continue to pray for us as we take this message across the nations. Thank you for your prayers and also for your financial support. The QR code is there. If you just take a picture of that, it will lead you and guide you as to how you can give and participate in this great work that's going all around the world. Amen. And so we're going to go to your questions and comments if you have any. We take them before we get off. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, Pastor Roderick, all the way from Accra. Praise God. Thank you so much for joining in. I love you, my friend, and I'm going to see you this year. We have the date already. Tell my brothers there, I'm going to see them in person this year in Jesus' name. Love you, my friend. God bless you real good. Amen. Yes, Miss Evans, Evans King, thank you so much for joining us. And again, I appreciate your comment. God as a point of reference. The only point of reference but for that matter. Amen. Glory to God. Salvation Manadon. Wow. Help me focus on you, Lord, and not be distracted. Hey, that prayer goes for all of us salvation. And I thank God that God will guide you, help you, and keep you focused to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Sharon Akinmola, thank you for sharing our beginning and how God has blessed us for our faithfulness. Okay, that's my wife sharing and corroborating what I said. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Roderick, thank you. Yes, that's that's powerful, knowing the difference between preference and priority. <laughs> Listen, that is still ringing in my head. Let, let, me just, let me just jump on that for a minute. Let, let, me, let me help break it down. Okay, so, so it's easy, easy. These days we have, we have this device, this smartphone, that can be a powerful tool to help us, to guide us, to just be a blessing to us. But do you not know that this same tool can be a major distraction? There are a lot of people that are addicted to this thing, addicted to this thing, okay? So let me tell you what happens. So for many of us, we wake up in the morning, What's the first thing we do? Facebook, Instagram, okay? WhatsApp. And, 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 and before you know it, those things, take, it takes the life of its own. So you may think you want to go to Facebook for two minutes, but you end up spending two hours from, from, I mean, you just do all kinds of crazy things. That's a preference because those things has no eternal purpose. None, zero, zero, none. Whereas it's best to order your day in the Lord. Jesus, thank you for another day. I bless your name. This is the day you have made. I'm glad I'm rejoicing in it. I'm open. Whatever, Father, you want to do through me today, I want to participate. Get the mind of God first thing. Order your day. That's a priority. That's a priority. So, yeah, that stuck with me. Preference and priority. Preference are things we enjoy. Yeah, you, may, you enjoy watching movies. There's nothing wrong with watching movies. You know, and so, but you have to order your priorities right. Pastor Gochin is good to hear from you, my friend. God bless you real good. And we're going to be seeing you next month in Jesus' name. Next month, Pastor Gochin, we're going to see you. Bless you. Bless you so much. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, my goodness. Sister Stella Onas. Okay, I know who you are. Uh-huh. With those goggles on, it's good to see you. God bless you real good. Thank you so much for, for chi chiming in. My friend, Brother Fidel. Fear is not one of the gifts of, and promises of God. Amen. Did you hear that? Fear is not one of the gifts and promises of God. So discard fear. They place fear with love in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hilda Jaja, pay attention to, his, to this word. Oh, this, <laughs> this is the second time we hear the same word today. Wow. Okay. Well, there's emphasis. You heard it for the second time today. God is up to something. Just yield to it and watch him do wonders in your life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. Okay, so I look forward to seeing you guys next week. And until then, God will keep you, will bless you, it will refresh you, it will cause his presence to envelop around you and the power of the Holy Spirit will bless you beyond your wildest imagination. Thank God that you are tuned up and ready to face tomorrow. In Jesus' name. I love you. I'll see you again this time next week. God bless you. Bye-bye. You've been watching The Tune-Up. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to this Bible study. And until next week, don't forget to check in and get your tune-up.